from inside Memorial Stadium in the Huskers Radio Network studio. It's time for the Sideline Scoop with our Husker great NFL vet, Big Red Analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie. Welcome back, everybody, into episode two of the Sideline Scoop with Searles, Jeremiah Searles. Fresh off a birthday in, uh, is this the first time you've ever actually been able to celebrate your birthday in August? It is, it is. So usually you're right in the thick of it, right? I remember when I turned 21, I had a buddy that texted me. He's like, man, happy 21st. Did you get after it last night? I was like, nope, in bed by 8 o'clock. We have a two-day today. So I did not celebrate that. But my wife and I went to Vegas. She turned 30 on August 2nd. I turned 30 on August 8th. So it was a really good time just to go out there and just kind of relax. And funny enough, we spent one of our Vegas nights in bed by nine o'clock because we had no children to keep <laughs> us up. So it was a great trip. Had to stink having your birthday during fall camp. Yeah, I mean, from basically 15 on, you don't celebrate a birthday until you're done. And yeah. so like when I turned 29 was the first time I was like, woo, like it's my birthday and <laughs> Ooh, I'm not just dying what? out on a training camp field somewhere. So yeah, it's never a fun time, but at the same time, it kept me out of trouble probably a few times. That's awesome. So Two weeks in, now we're two weeks out from kickoff in the season. It's crazy. It's flying by. But, you know, give us a sense of where a team is at at this point before you move into more of a game week-like schedule. Yeah, so there's a couple things. The mental piece of it is everyone's real beat down. And that's just across the board. I mean, that's what training camp is. It's not just getting the body physically prepared. It's getting the body mentally prepared, too, because camp is nothing of ebbs and flows and ups and downs, good days, bad days, and how do you respond? How do you stack good days together? both individually, as an offense, as a defense. And so mentally, it's very exhausting, too. Physically, everyone's really beat up. Um, <laughs> you, we, we got a couple guys nicked and dinged, but just everyone in this point, your body just doesn't feel good. You've just been banging on each other here for two weeks straight now. It's hot. It's been really hot the last few days. And so you're just kind of beat up. But my offensive line coach in Minnesota actually said it best. He goes, you're building your body's calluses. You're just, you're learning how to build a callus. And for anyone that's ever built a callus knows the first few times it hurts, right? You just feel like you're ripping your skin off, but eventually it just gets hardened up and you just learn to live with it. So they're callusing their bodies right now, getting used to getting wear and tear, getting used to get hit in day in and day out. So that by the time season rolls around, they'll be ready to rock and roll. Those calluses will be built up nice and strong and they'll be firing on all cylinders. You said it feels like death. I yes. asked you, you said it's, it's death right now. <laughs> Training camp is nothing more than death. I mean, it's just slowly dying and then slowly coming back mm -hmm. to life and then slowly dying all over again. So I think the big thing is just how you respond day mm -hmm. in and day out how you recover, um, even the, the technology and how you've recovered since even when I was in school has come so far with Normatex and game readies and infrared saunas and red light therapy. There's just so many more ways for guys to recover, which is what you need to do because you need to make sure you try and get through camp with as minimal injuries as possible. And everyone's going to have them. It's part of the game. Football's the only job in the world that's going to be 100% injury rate and still function. So it's just about how do you handle those injuries. But, yeah, you wake up every morning just ask yourself why at least once. <laughs> why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? What are some of the big storylines that have jumped out to you up to this point? Yeah, I think the biggest one we talked about on the first episode and everyone's question is the running backs. And from what I can hear, obviously I haven't been a chance to watch a lot of practices, but – I keep hearing the names Sevion Morrison, Gabe, Ir Gabe Irving. Sevion Morrison, Gabe Irving, right? So it's like, okay, are those two starting to separate themselves from the pack? Because there is four or five guys that probably are talented enough to play, but there's always going to be one or two guys that separate themselves throughout training camp that become the consistent guys of 
just finding ways to find the hard yards or making the splash play and just being able to do all those things. So that's one that I like to hear because that's the giant question mark on the offense coming into the season. The other one is the defensive line depth. Came out, I believe, a couple days ago with the two deep, and you've got all the normal characters, right? Casey Rogers, Ty Robinson, uh, Daniels in there. You've got uh, the old man, Ben Stilley, hashtag college forever, <laughs> right? I mean, you're starting to get a group of guys in there that are really starting to show depth. And depth is something that you can't teach. It's something that you can't coach. It is literally just something along the lines of having talented individuals. And let's be honest, Huskers haven't had a lot of depth in the last few years. So seeing that and being able to recognize every name on the two deep because they've played is a huge thing. So I think that's a massive thing. Uh, those two storylines for me for the through the first two weeks of camp have kind of been what I've been watching. Yeah, Coach Shenander said two deep at every spot and at some spots three deep. Uh, what does that do, you know, when you're – you got that much depth that you can kind of run through, especially in a game and mm. an offensive lineman. Those guys kind of stay put the whole time, and then you're kind of fresh and or facing fresh legs uh, in in some of those moments where you know they're coming in fresh, and you guys are gassed. That's I gotta the worst. imagine it's, it's the worst thing ever. So like when you go out there and it's the middle of the third quarter, or even the start of the fourth, and you got a series, and you got okay, we got first and second down, and you try a couple run plays and you get not out of it, right? So now you're staring third and nine or maybe third and 11 in the face and you're tired, you've been pushing all of a sudden, four guys go off, four guys come in and you're like, dude, these dudes have been sucking Gatorade and water for the last five <laughs> minutes. This guy's probably only here to rush the passer and they see them dig themselves in. They're jumping up, getting like warmed up. You're like, oh man, it, it's demoralizing a little bit as an offensive lineman because you're just like, man, this is what these guys are built for. Every defense wants to get offensive linemen off schedule. No one wants to live. No defensive coordinator is ever like, oh, I like third and three to five. No. They want third and eight and nine so they can send in fresh legs and maybe guys that aren't as strong at the point of attack for a run but can rush the heck out of the passer. I think we have a good mix of those guys in this D-line group, guys that are strong at the point of attack but also some wiggle guys in there that you can just rotate in there, fresh legs, and there's not a big drop-off from the starters to the second unit. So uh, running back, you, you mentioned that um, you've – obviously been through lots of fall camps and lots of running back battles, I'm sure. What kind of starts to separate guys? What are these coaching staff looking for? It's not just about, you know, ripping off a 60-yard touchdown run every day, right? Yeah, it's about efficient runs. Um, Coach Tony Sperano in Minnesota used to chart our efficiency in the run game. And an efficient run is three and a half yards or more. And if you do the math, three and a half, three and a half, three and a half, it's a first down, right? That way, if you run the football every single time, on first, second, and third down, and you have efficient runs, it should be a first down. So you measure an efficiency. A lot of that plays on the O-line and tight ends and blocking, but a lot of it too also falls on the running back. Is the running back gonna be in the right spot and know it's okay if I get three yards here? It's all right if I put my nose down and there's not a huge hole there, but I'm gonna punch through it and I'm gonna fall forward for three, three and a half. Versus a guy, I mean, I loved watching him play, Maurice Washington, he was here a few years back. He used to be the one that would make the guy miss and go 60, and he did it quite often. But sometimes he would try and force the big play too much and, and bounce outside and maybe lose one or two instead of, hey, just take the three. Because if you're consistent running the football team, which Nebraska needs to be this year with the running backs, you wear teams out. Because those three and a half that are in the first quarter, second quarter, turn into six, turn into seven, and then eventually you just stick with it and you pop one all the way through in the end. And the other piece of that is giving the offensive coordinator confidence in the run game. 
I've played for a lot of offensive coordinators, and they're all the same. You make them nervous in the first quarter, and the run game's not going, they're going to stray away from it. As much as they want to be a running football team, the goal is to score points, right? So mm -hmm. initially, this group's got to make sure that they get running the football early in games so that Scott and Lubick and those guys are like, yep, let's party on. Let's run the football <laughs> and not get all nervous and be like, uh, we're going to throw the football 20 times now because that's the worst. And it's no one else's fault but your own. And you hear about, you know, that and, and the consistency of running the football, not putting it on the ground, but also the pass protection. Mm. How much does that kind of play into it for these running backs as well, trying to earn playing time? Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to be more than just a third down scat back, which a lot of teams have, you got to be able to pick up blitzes. And that's one thing that in college, and in the NFL, young backs, whether it's a freshman, whether it's a rookie, second-year guy, struggle with because it's new. I mean, in high school, it was, hey, the offensive line sliding right, and you have that one guy as a running back. Well, now it's, hey, they're sorting three for four over here. You have everybody else, whether it's a safety, a corner, I mean, whatever it might be. And a lot of times those are critical situations. Third downs, got to have its first and second down that are obvious passing, right, in a two-minute drill or end-a-half drill. And those are things that as a running back, you have to make sure it's not just about running the football. It's can you be an every down back? Can you be a Christian McCaffrey that not maybe not physically, but mentally, right? That dude can do it all. Or are you a guy that's like Adrian Peterson, who was primarily first and second down because he didn't like picking up blitzes and he struggled mentally with some of that stuff, too. But I think the biggest thing is just complete backs. And when you're talking about Sevian Morrison and Gabe, young players and I think that with young players you take your lumps some um, as an offense especially with guys out there you take your lumps of maybe growing pains as I like to call them but if they can progress week in and week out and not make the same mistakes that's when you see really growth as a player I asked you this yesterday um, and you got pretty got pretty fired up about <laughs> it about how angry offensive linemen get across the country when you guys get blamed for running back missing a blitz you I mean it's you're shaking your head <laughs> it's infuriating because it's like all right hey like I said hey offensive linemen we're sorting to the right <laughs> we're going three for four over here we're locked on the backside here anybody else comes over here on the left Running back, you got him. Running back goes in the la-la land. Escape Reese, here comes the safety from death. Sack and immediately Collinsworth and every reporter. Romo, oh, man, that offensive line missed that one. That one's going <laughs> to suck on the film room. It's like, no, we didn't. We did our job. Like, are you blind? What are you looking at? And there's nothing more frustrating than you put it on the flip side, right? Like the offensive line for a running play all of a sudden you get three yards and like oh man that wasn't great push by the offensive line but really the back went the wrong way or the back tried to cut in the <laughs> backfield and then all of a sudden the back rips off an 80 yard touchdown runner like look at the speed and the vision of that <laughs> running back right there man he's a special talent it's like how about the offensive line that opened the hole the Mack truck could have drove through no not their fault but here all of a sudden the backside defensive end on a zone away the running back cuts back into him and they're like, man, this offensive line is struggling today. It's the most infuriating <laughs> thing to sit back and listen to of all time. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, all that being said, though, how much confidence do you have that this is going to be a football team that's going to be able to run the ball more efficiently this year? I have a lot of confidence in it. And a lot of that has to do with the guys up front. Mm -hmm. you, know, I mean, you got guys in Cam Jurgens, you got guys in Bryce Benhart, you got some young guys in Piper and Schichterman and uh Turner and Banks, and you've got a lot of young players, but also a good amount of old players that I think physically look the part. You look at this team and we're big. We're a big football team. We look like we belong in the Big Ten with the way our fronts look. And so if that's the case, lean on your strengths. And I think if the offensive lineman's a strength, 
then you need to lean on them. Even if you got young backs, trust the offensive line that they'll make the holes for those guys to hit. They'll make it obvious for the young players. And a lot of it too, and we've talked about it multiple times, is the fact that Adrian cannot be our primary runner this year. He just can't. With the departure of Luke McCaffrey and not really having a for sure number two that we can trust, he has to stay healthy this year. And a lot of that comes on the coaching staff and on the running game of, hey, we're taking it off your shoulders that you don't have to have 100 yards rushing. If you break a couple and break down passes, great. But the zone read, the quarterback powers, those cannot be staples in the offense this year. Yeah, and Ryan Hill said that. We, you know, the running backs, they've got a chip on their shoulder. They want to be a strength of this football team. They know that Adrian cannot do what mm -hmm. he's done in the past. So it seems like that's been a, a, a huge focus. You brought up Cam, uh, Cam Jurgens, and, and the snapping. We've had several questions about that on Sports Nightly throughout fall camp, just how you go about fixing that leading into another season yeah and I have a lot of people ask me all the time it's the first thing people want to talk about right and that's mm -hmm. because it has been an issue I mean there's no hiding about it but the thing I love about Cam is he hasn't shied away from it yeah he's been a guy that stepped and go yeah I know it's an issue I'm gonna get it fixed and the way I explain to people is it's like getting the yips it's like when a pitcher or a golfer who they just can't find the plate or they just can't strike the ball even though they've done it a million times beforehand right Cam snapped the football more times than most of us can count but the problem is, is when you have an errant snap and it's usually during a game, there's about 20 people that let you know about it, right? So the first one you come off, the quarterback's like, hey, high snap. And then you got your position coach like, get the snap down. <laughs> and then you have like the third string center that comes over and is like, hey, man, your snap's a little high. It's like, dude, get away from me. But it lives in your head then. And it's something that even though you don't want to think about it, it sits there. I played center. I played center in the league. It happens to me. It happens to every center that I've ever talked to. But what I hope is that there's been a day during fall camp, again, I don't know this, that Cam maybe had one or two bad snaps and that he was able to mentally go through the exercise of fixing it mm -hmm. during practice. Because that's what practice is for, right? It's not the game, it's not live bullets, but even mentally you're practicing things. So hey, a couple bad snaps, Adrian's like, hey, snaps are high, snaps are low, and he was able to fix it while still playing and able to go through that mental exercise so that when he gets to games, I mean, knock on wood, hopefully no bad snaps ever, but they happen. If one happens, he's able to fix it, mentally understand, go through his exercises that he's worked on during the camp, off season, and then it's a non-issue, right? So I have a lot of confidence that Cam's gonna be much better with that because as I read things that say the offense is operating well, that means the snaps are starting because that's what starts the whole operation of the offense. Let's talk tight ends. Uh, Scott Frost in his uh, media session on Friday said that, you know, a couple of them a little banged up, but uh, those are proven guys that have played a lot of football and they've been able to build some depth there as well. But uh, given Austin Allen and, and Vogelak, they're healthy. How uh, much of a nightmare can they be for opposing defenses? Yeah, I mean, you look at Austin Allen, I don't know if there's many defensive players in the Big Ten or, I mean, shoot, will play Oklahoma, the Big 12, that can match up with him. He's what everyone loves, the matchup nightmare, right? Everybody loves that. And especially a quarterback loves a tight end that's a security blanket. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. When everything breaks down, when everything goes to crap, the routes are off, the timing's off, they covered everything. All right, where's my six, nine tight end that I can just <laughs> dump the football to and get seven yards, right? Everyone loves that, especially a quarterback. So when you have a guy like that and you have a guy like Volkolek, who I think blocking is actually very well. That means you can do a lot of things out of two tight end sets. You got a tight end that can block. You got a tight end that can catch. You got a tight end that can do both. You can do so much more out of 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, than you can out of 11, one back, one tight end. I think that I love two tight end formations because it forces the defense 
to have to do something different. When you're in 11 personnel, they can play what's called sub defense, which means they will put, they'll take a linebacker out and they'll put an extra DB in. But when you play 12 personnel and a team decides to play sub defense that because they think they can, you have to make them pay by running the football with your two tight ends. And then at the same time, if they want to play base defense and keep that extra linebacker in there, then you got to make them pay because that linebacker can't keep up with Austin Allen. And so that's where people hear matchups. That's what they're talking about. Base defense, sub defense. Is it a corner, a nickel matching up with them? Is it a, is it a linebacker? So I think when you have that kind of strength with your team, with those that position speci specifically, you can do a lot of fun things on offense. I said with Austin Allen, I mean, he played basketball. Just get down in the post, get in the end zone, yeah. and post that guy up. Right? Yeah, box out, right? <laughs> box out in the end zone and throw catch it up it, and let him go catch get it. it. Way out in front of you, and those little DB <laughs> arms are going to be behind you, or they're going to hold you, or they're going to do something, and just go catch touchdowns, dude. Just go catch touchdowns, and then you'll go play in the NFL and catch more touchdowns. Um, so the offensive line, you know, again, seems like there's been some depth being built there again a little nicked up which as you said it, it happens to every team but that that's good right to be able to have some bodies in there to work through that you know that you're going to be able to call on that have been in some one type situations been on that starting line throughout fall camp yeah because like we talked about the defensive line a little bit of the opposite of the offensive line of you read some names and they're like i haven't seen that guy play against live bullets before i mean spring game practice but the more reps you can get with the ones in practice will make it easier when it's in the game versus a guy that's been with the twos or the, the scout team running and all of a sudden it's like, dude, we got four people hurt, you're in. Can't always go great because you wanna make sure when you talk about depth is the drop off from the starter to the next guy can't be so drastic that it messes up the entire operation. And so when you have guys that are proven that maybe get nicked up, maybe need a day in practice and let those guys, you can start evaluating what is the drop off from our starter to this guy. And it gives these kids that are in the second position a chance to really make a run and develop mm -hmm. and show those coaches why I should be number one. And again, that just creates competition and competition creates greatness. And so I think that the more of that you can have, the better. What about just the chemistry with those guys up front and with such a big game out of the gate? I mean, how do you build that and build that quickly? Yeah, so this is about the point in camp that you want to solidify the five guys. You want to have, and maybe they're not practicing right now, but you want to have for at least 10 full days before you play your first game, the five starting offensive linemen playing together. Because it's not always the best individually talented five. It's the best five that can work together as one. If you have guys that are on the right side and Ben Hart and Piper or Schichterman or Banks or whoever it is work really well together and they pass off stunts and their double teams are incredible and mentally they work well together. It's not, oh, hey, what are we going? Who are we with? You want that group together. And the more you can do that throughout camp, the more the communication gets streamlined to where it's now more of a, hey, you walk up to the line, you hear the play call and you know you have a double team to the linebacker. You walk up and you go, hey, 52. And all that means is you know that both of you know in your head, hey, we're double teaming to that guy. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to have that. I played next to Spencer Long for two years, really three years. And we were by our senior year. We didn't even have to talk. We just went up there and we just kind of look at each other and we literally just point the line back, hey, 52. Or be like, hey, Mike's right over here. We know we're sorting over here. And it just, it's so much easier. And with as fast as this offense wants to run, you want to make sure those five guys are all on the same page all the time. It really starts with the center. 
and then just echoes out to the guys to his left and to his right. And so you just want to make sure you have the best five that work together, not the best five individual players. Yeah, you were saying your what was your, your senior year, y'all were super tight, mm-hmm. and that you're kind of like starting to maybe see that a little bit with this group that you know they were pretty young last year, but now that they've been around each other and and it's off the field too, they they're kind of getting that as well, where they are knowing each other, where you know that that guy has your back when you step on that line. Yeah, I mean, my senior year, Spencer and I lived together. Quali and Cole Penzik lived together. And there's something about, like, you know your buddy. You don't want to let him down. He doesn't want to let you down. It goes much deeper than just football. Mm-hmm. It goes much deeper of, like, man, I'm going to fight for you because I know you're going to fight for me because I love you, man. Like, and I know you love me, and we want the best for each other, so why not give each other the best? And the more of that you can have across the entire football team, but the offensive line's its own little unit. Uh, like we talked about, we get blamed when things are bad and we don't get any praise when things are good. So we have to be our own hype men, right? Our own Mm -hmm. hype men, our own support system. And so that room gets really, really close. And I, I have, I see these guys, the way they interact with each other, the way they just communicate with each other off the field. They love each other and they're going to put the best out there, not for the fans, not for the coaches, but they're going to mostly do it for each other, which is important. Okay, let's talk the last two weeks. I mean, you're moving more into a game week-like schedule before classes start again, and then it's game week. I mean, what's kind of the goal the next couple of weeks for this football team? Yeah, so the number one goal is solidifying your 2D. Uh, as a coach, we'll start at the top, right? As a coaching staff, I think it's really important to let players know where they stand heading into game week. Like, hey, you're our second string safety. You're our special teams, but our third linebacker. Hey, you're not in our 2D. I think that there's an important piece of getting through fall camp getting through the competition saying, hey, we're always evaluating, we're always competing, but at this moment, as we head into week one, here's where you stand. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you start slowly trickling away from having the whole offense or the whole defense installed to, okay, here's what we do really well. Here's what we did really well during fall camp. Now let's start perfecting some of that stuff. And the hard thing is Illinois is going to be just kind of throwing stuff against the wall and like, we think they might run this. We're not sure they might run that. I mean, you don't really know. So you kind of have to prepare for everything, but that's okay because you've been seeing a lot of different looks from Chenander and his defense as a veteran defense. I'm sure they've thrown a lot at you. And as a defense, you're not really sure what they're going to run offensively, but you just know your guys' gap assignments and their sound and their technique. It gives Chenander a lot more space, but as players, this is the final push. This is the, the over the hill, get to the season, we're calloused up. We're ready to go. Now let's start getting into more game prep mode versus the look each other in the eye and go, I'm really tired of hitting you every single day. <laughs> like, I'm re- Ben, I'm really, I've been hitting you for 12 years, it feels like. Like, I'm really tired. Of, I'm ready to go hit something else. And everyone feels that. You get the scuffles, you get all that stuff. But the most important thing is keeping each other healthy and getting to that game week. Well, Two weeks. Two oh, weeks. So we will be breaking down Illinois and uh, we'll have all kinds of. We'll get into what you kind of expect them to do because yeah. it's going to kind of be a little bit of a crapshoot yeah, trying to no figure idea. out what, what they're going to do. But we're going to break it all down. Their personnel. Uh, we're going to take a week off next week and then uh, we'll know the starting lineup. We'll know the depth chart. We'll know Illinois and we'll be able to break that down for you. Mm, so uh, it was so great close. to catch up, and uh, we know a little bit more, and we'll know a little bit more in two weeks. So uh, Sideline Scoop with Searles. He's Jeremiah Searles. I'm Jessica Cootie. Make sure you subscribe, listen wherever you do, and uh, thanks for listening to the Sideline Scoop with Searles. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.